0: Thank you, those of you who are teaching our kids this week, and honestly, every week, huh? How about that? Maybe a round of applause those teaching. In three years, we can teach a kid uh, the entire gospel, if our teachers... Survive it. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we need you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place, God. I need you more, uh, God, than just maybe ever. (laughs) Um, God, I pray you'll speak to us. Show us, reveal uh, your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to talk to my boys today. Ladies, will this apply to you? Yes, but just let us have our thing today, please. We're just a little, little pep rally for the guys, and uh, we're going to talk more specifically to you next week. So, ladies, you got the week off, you can just sit there in judgment over the men. <laughs> now, this is, not, this is not to knock anyone over the head. Uh, our, our Bible, our, our word is a sword. Uh, Spiritually, it is a sword, and that is meant to fight our enemies with, not to fight one another. And so today is meant to encourage you, but I want to begin by encouraging you to rethink manhood and to rethink masculinity and so this becomes a very controversial topic and I will try to keep opinion out of this and just give you scripture you were given a note card when you walked in uh with your connection card it has a note section if nothing else guys just jot some stuff down jot some scriptures down as I make reference go fact check me check this as I give you bible and not opinion except for maybe right now okay this part uh what is it that we think of in our culture today when we say masculinity? If I did a word association with you and I said, if I say masculinity, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Many of you would say the word, ah, that's what I'm looking for. You would think toxic. Masculinity, that is probably the adjective that is placed in front of masculinity more than any other word today, is toxic masculinity, and we are are raising up a generation that thinks that masculinity is a bad thing, and I want to propose and then spend the rest of our time telling you perverted masculinity is a bad thing. Godly masculinity is a necessary thing. Feel free today to help me out up here. Thank you. When I say masculinity, we picture Rambo. And I, 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 I tried to get the tank top and the headband and the whole thing. And I was like, I'm going to have to shave my arms for that. I'm not going to do that. I was going to preach from the Rambo point of view. But like we... Y'all looking at me weird now. We think, oh man, you, you got you to gotta look like Stallone from the 80s and you can't miss a game, right? You got to eat your steak. How do men eat their steak? Rare. Dusty says, I like my steak to wear a good shot of penicillin and put it back on its feet. <laughs> and I just want to tell you guys that If you look like Sylvester Stallone from 1984, you don't have a job because that's full-time and what's running through your veins is illegal. (laughs) And if you never miss a game, I don't know, does watching other guys play, does that make you more manly? We have to rethink, is it bad? No. Is lifting weights bad? Absolutely not. I encourage it. In fact, I highly recommend it. Simeon, you need to work off some frustration. You're watching sports because that's the only thing that you can watch. It's not trash on TV. It's fine. I encourage that. But it doesn't make you manly. We have this thing. And let me tell you. One of the greatest earthly kingdoms to ever take was done by the Mongols. The Mongols made the biggest land grab in all of history. They still haven't been defeated. You know what one of their greatest attributes were? Their shields doubled as a skillet so that they could cook their steak and didn't have to eat crap steak that was rare. (laughs) Number two, 1860s, right here in this land. Comanche Indians, the greatest light infantry on the face of the earth. There was not an army that could take the Comanche Indians until n- almost 1900. Do you know before, they were primitive people who would push buffalo over the side of cliffs? You ever been out to the Cap Rock in West Texas? and push them over the side, and they would eat it raw. But it wasn't until they could cook their steak that they could take over. Stop giving me this rare steak stuff. Your food just tastes bad. Some of, y'all, some of y'all tuned me out already. They're like, I'm not listening to him. Just, just teasing. Come on. All right. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. All the scripture will be on the screen for you, by the way. Nobody expected you to walk in here a Bible scholar, all right? So, uh, all the scriptures on the screen, there, you, there's a, the, your Bible is a library of books. There are 66 books in it. The first 39 are Old Testament. They tell the story of God creating the world, choosing a people, promising through that people one day a Messiah, a Savior, a Christ would come. When he comes, boom, we have the New Testament. Our timeline goes from B.C. to A.D., so we live under this New Testament, and I want to walk you through a lot of the Bible, but in the beginning this is the story we have of god creating mankind god who is not a man get that out of your mind you want to paint a portrait what does god look like he doesn't god is not a man god is not a human god is not a woman god is not a male not a female okay so However, he made us, and he made us in his image, physically in his image. He gave us attributes that are part of him. And he took some of that and placed it in a man. He took some of that and placed it in a woman. And when we get together, we look more like God. Okay? So this is the whole purpose, but Genesis one twenty-seven. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created the male and female. Which one was created in the image of God? Boys or girls? both (laughs) okay we've got we've got to get that but there are different attributes that were placed in a man and different attributes that were placed in a woman and yes we look we look we look different but we can do a lot of the same things and and I, i i get all that but your masculinity was a gift given to you by your father so so don't reject it and don't let your culture tell you that it's bad. Man was made, given masculine attributes, placed in the garden, and told to work the garden. And this is part of what we celebrate as men is how we work, how we do. And without that, we begin to lose ourselves. In fact, in the New Testament, maybe y'all didn't know this was there, Second Thessalonians 3.10. This needs to be taught. Uh, in fact, when, when we were with you, this is what we commanded you. If anyone isn't willing to work, he should not eat okay? And so this is just a side note, but if you're not allowing your sons to work, you are emasculating them. You are hurting them because we were made to work. We were made to do all of these things, and that's okay. Being a man is okay. I know that you have a culture that is waging war on this and like I understand because we have perverted a lot of things and and used our masculinity to do things that God never intended us for to, uh, for us to do and and so people view it as toxic and I get that but don't let them define what God has given you to the point that you reject it okay being a godly man is necessary in our society is necessary for our society, but perverting our role as men has hardened us. There are women all over our county that despise the side of men, and I don't blame them. They've been hurt, harmed by more than one. Why? Because we've perverted our strength. We've used it for something God never intended. And become a menace to society rather than a blessing. But don't let that make you think that your strength is a curse. Guys, go to the weight room. Pick them up and put them down. That's fine. Go play sports. Go drive fast. Go do things that are daring. There is nothing inherently, innately wrong with any of these things. And don't let anybody tell you that they are. Guys, go pursue women. Don't be a creep. Okay? But it's okay to be a man. Celebrate it. Celebrate it. But don't pervert it. And here's the first reason why you shouldn't pervert your masculinity is because God will not put up with it. Why have men Been under such attack, and men been so weak, and lions been lambs for so long because God is rejecting us because of the perversion of our masculinity. Many of you walked through a time when your mother didn't work and she took care of the home, and the father went out and worked, and he came home and she would have things prepared, and now your wife, who works full time, is expected to do all of those things, and you rule with an iron fist over somebody that you're supposed to serve and demand things that she do, extra, (laughs) that you don't. And and we carried that over from a culture where this is not fair anymore. (laughs) We've we've perverted it, and, and we've demanded respect when we've been unrespectable. And God is going, I'm not blessing that. This is speaking from experience and conviction, by the way. <laughs> Listen to this. Maybe you didn't know these scriptures were here. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Again, they're all on the screen. God will not put up with our foolishness. Husbands, in the same way, live with their wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. If you are mean to God's daughter, Right? If I was mean to your daughter, you would bury the body and never lose a wink of sleep. But for God's daughter, it's different. Why? Because I'm the husband, I'm the authority. No, you're not. God's the authority. All right? And do you understand that he says... Uh, if you treat your wife, my daughter, poorly, not only uh, am I not putting up with that. I, not, not. It's not that it's just a no. It's like I'm not even. La 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 la. What'd you ask? I didn't hear it. I'm not entertaining it. I'm not putting up with it. And so it's like my prayers have just hit a ceiling. I just don't understand. God is not answering these. Things. No, God is like, God is like, Mm-mm, not dealing with you. And many of us didn't know that that's even scripture. Matthew 5.23, so if you're offering your gift on the altar and, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Men don't apologize. Men don't ask for forgiveness. Well, then men won't get it from God. And, hold on. This is meant to be encouraging. We're going to get there. I've been getting beat up. This, is, this was maybe one of my hardest and most convicting sermons I've ever put together. And I thought I had this down. Proverbs 21, 13, the one who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will himself also call out, call out and not be answered. Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: 18, if I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Do you understand, men, that God is holding you to a standard? He said, I'm going to give you my attributes. I'm going to give you my strength. And here's why I want you to use it. And so we use it for our own gain, but expect the blessing of God. And he says, No. Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you do that with someone who works for you? I'm going to give you a work truck. You used it to go to Vegas. <laughs> Not paying you this week. <laughs> it makes sense in that context, doesn't it? But godly masculinity, the only thing that godly masculinity is toxic to is Satan. Satan. I thought that was a good line. I didn't get a thing out of it. We're going to try that again. The only thing godly masculinity is toxic to is Satan. Thank you. Thank you. Now, look how it plays out. I want to show you a picture. And I I called and asked permission from this guy. Uh, Can you all give me a picture of Chris Peltier? Uh, So this guy, he doesn't live around here. I wanted to use an example of someone who isn't here. When we adopted our son from Poland, uh, my wife met some people online who said that I could go and stay with him when I went to pick my son up. So it's not sketchy at all. And, uh, I mean, they said they were Christians, right? I mean, had a really nice van. Why not? <laughs> and so we actually met this fam- uh, family. So uh, it's a very involved process to adopt. We went over. My wife and I, we met them uh, at, at a, a, a church. And then I had to go back personally. Well, we could have gone back, but it's too expensive for both of us to travel, right? So I went back by myself, and I stayed at their home. And uh, it was me alone with this one-and-a-half-year-old Polish kid who didn't understand any English, uh, staying as he was away at work, and his wife was there, and uh, I got to stay with his family. Now, you're like, dude, that's weird. I don't know if I would do that. Yeah, I know. Me too. And so I called him, and I was like, Chris, I got to ask you a question, man. You let me come in and stay, and I was home there all day with your with your beautiful wife while you were away at work. And he was like, well, sounds creepy when you put it that way. (laughs) Like, I know, I know, but let me tell you about Chris. Okay, so this guy was very, very fit. And his job, he was working at the American Embassy in Poland, and he was training the Marines who were there. And so, as much as I don't want to admit this, I have to tell you, Chris didn't see me as a threat. (laughs) And so I I just want to give you an example because I I, I saw something happen, and and these are very godly people that you don't know, so I can use this story because none of them slapped your grandma or whatever happened. This is how godly masculinity plays out. Chris can handle himself really well. The dude trains Marines. like He teaches the people you're afraid of. And he rode his bike to work, by the way. It was was insane. There was a gymnastics event, and their daughter was going to this gymnastics thing. Now, I have to tell you, Polish people, on average, are just a little larger than Americans. And they don't view steroids the same way. They view it a little more like we view Snickers bars. (laughs) (laughs) And so... (laughs) If, <laughs> I, you can walk behind most of the guys and just all you can see is their traps and triceps. It's just it's common. There's a gym on every corner. We went to this gymnastics event and, and, and Chris and, and Mandy, his wife, that's Chris and Mandy, uh, their daughter was playing and another girl was playing and there was some conflict And a Polish man came up to Mandy and told her to remove her daughter because she was doing something wrong. Mandy has brown hair, but it is red, trust me. She is a fireball. (laughs) And she got all kinds of heated. I mean, she chewed on this guy, but that's just part of their culture, dude. He chewed right back. And so they're just arguing, 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 and I'm, I'm over there talking to Chris, and, and she comes over, and she says, Chris, this guy told me this, and he told me this, and he told me this, and, uh, and, and I'm just listening to it, getting fired up. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I'm never going to get through the embassy now. I'm warming up. <laughs> warming up. It's going to be a brawl in the gymnastics gymnasium, and Chris looked at his wife, and he said, honey, I can take care of this, but first, what's the goal? What's the end game? Would you like me to murder him? (laughs) He was so calm. He was so calm because Chris knew that there was no one in that building that was a threat to him. And he de escalated the situation. And he took chaos and he made order out of it just like God did on the first page of the Bible with his masculine attribute to make order out of chaos. And you know what happened? Nothing. Why? Because he's a man. And he didn't dip down into his pride and look over and measure the guy up and go, I think I can pull this off and my wife is going to think I'm a stud. He didn't need to do that. And that's how it plays out. Godly masculinity brings about peace. Look at what the Bible says, Psalm 1-1. How happy is one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams. It bears its fruit in season, and the leaf does not wither. Where, whatever he does prospers. Some of the manliest men that you've ever met are the dudes who get up when they're sick and go to work. It's not about how hard they hit. It's about how hard they get hit and keep on going. When you meet someone who leads a peaceful life, brings peace into your life, that's someone who has had to swallow some pride, be a man, gather others up around them, do everything that a man hates to do. They've had to do it over and over. They've taken the punches and came out smiling. They endured what others would not. And they were peaceful. If it sounds too soft for you, it's not the way God made me, I'm a warrior. I agree, you are. That is part of what God made you to be as a warrior. And so let's talk about that battle and what you will need for that. There is a battle that every man will face every day that you might have to throw down once or twice in your life. It has not happened in my adult life. Although, since I have moved to Ranger, I have been in multiple situations where I prayed because I thought there's no way we're getting out of here without throwing down. And God has delivered me every time. But we train and we practice, and you should. Guys, there's a karate dojo right back there. Don would love to show you how to break people. And then teach you to never do it unless you're defending someone. Go over to Eastland. My buddy George is showing you how to submit people without having to knock their teeth out. Dude, it is a blast. You want somebody to roll you up and humiliate you? Be my guest. I've been to classes. I love it. I encourage you to do those things. But, but those are battles that you may or may not ever face. But there is a spiritual battle that every day you will have to wage. And so here's what you need for that battle. It's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Because that's your enemy. We are not enemies. We are brothers and sisters. I don't need to prepare to fight you. Now, we get to defend, right? Sometimes that has to happen. Probably not as often as we think it does. Sometimes that has to happen. Guys, I want you to be stoked up for that day. That's fine. There's nothing sinful about that. Lift, be manly, do all those things. There's nothing sinful with that. But the battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against demons, against principalities. There's a spiritual battle. There's a war for your soul every day. And so here's the muscle that you need. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Verse 13, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Because it takes a man to resist. You're going to have to be tough to resist. The world tells you that the man running around giving in to any self control, that he's free, that he's a real man. No, he gives in. That's not strength. Why are we celebrating the things that we should be ashamed of? I'm no, I'm, no, I'm no different. Temptation's not different from me just because I stand here. In fact, who would you go after if you were Satan? I don't understand. But you have to be strong enough to resist, and that takes real strength. Young men, to look in the eyes of your friends and say no. Takes so much more courage than to just try it. You want to prove yourself a man? There's your training ground. You're in it. Resist. Stand, therefore, with the truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with perseverance and intercession for all the saints. There's your training. There's your training. There's the armor you need. And... Like, you get it. Yes, I believe in God. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yeah, but your screen time is ripping away at your armor. (laughs) Be a warrior. But be a warrior on all fronts. We live in this little eclipse. We live in this gap of time where... You would look down on a man from walking out of a library. That's an anomaly. That's not really found in history. Men worked on every facet of themselves. And now all of a sudden it's, it's like, that, that's, well, that, that's, that's not manly. In the Bible, there's some dudes that just really stand out. You got King David. We know that he killed Goliath, right? He killed a giant. A giant with a sword. And he, all he had was a slingshot, right? You know, before that, as a young man defending his sheep, he killed a lion, he killed a bear. This guy was a stud. He had lots of wives. I'm not sure that makes you a stud, but for our society's sake, he was a man's man. He was the king. He had authority. Do you know he was also a musician? You know, he was also a poet. He did a little dancing. Some of it he did in the raw. That's a different story. (laughs) He was a priest. He was a theologian. He wrote much of what you read in the Bible. You know, he was afraid often. Wrote poetry about being afraid. And killed a lion. He was a crier. He loved deeply. He's everything that our society says is not a man, and he was a bear killer. You know, we had I didn't want to use a, a, anything recent, so I dug back into uh, men in the U.S. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt, like our most manly president. I mean, this dude has, th- there he is. There's actually, have y'all seen where he, he's, you know, sitting with his gun on a, on a t-rex and stuff where he kills it it's, just, it's, it's funny people make fun of it because he was such an avid hunter you know what else he did uh he was a very sickly young man and one day he said you know what i'm not going to be sick anymore and then dude he just went off when he became president he put a boxing ring in the white house and he had a challenge to his staff anytime any place anywhere i will fight anyone in this white house and he was showing up to meetings with black eyes He was being trained by pros. They finally told him it is not fitting for the president to have a black eye. And so they talked him into playing tennis. He hated it and started a new exploration club. They were like all in their tennis gear and he was like, the heck with this. And they went and climbed the nearest mountain. (laughs) He read, this is the report. You know how much he read? He read a book per year, month, week, a book a day. The dude read a book a day. He wrote books. In one of his books, he talked about which animal is the worst to be charged by because he had been charged by lion, bear, rhinoceros, and something else I can't remember. And so he ranked them. What a manly thing to write about. And he read a book a day, and we're like, "Oh, we don't, we don't learn, we don't do that. We just, my favorite color is blue forty-two. Mine is too, but I can still read. (laughs) I can still mix in a documentary every once in a while. Like this is just what your society is teaching you is manhood. The Mongols, as they were taken over, they held debates." The Assyrians, who we know of from the Bible, they were the dudes that would walk in, they would behead their enemies, put it on a stick and walk into battle with the heads of their last kill on a stick to intimidate people. And also invented white wig parliament. Seriously, they had the whole wigs, held court, all of it. We're we're in such a weird period of time where men are supposed to be bound to one thing, work on every area. Here's one of my favorite guys. I, I, I want to read this. Lieutenant General William Harrison was the most decorated soldier in the 30th Infantry Division. I might have skipped some things on the computer. Thank you for putting his name up. Rated by General Eisenhower's number one infantry division in World War II, General Harrison was the first American to enter Belgium which he did at the head of the Allied Forces. He received every decoration for valor except the Congressional Medal of Honor, being honored with the distinguished silver cross, the silver star, bronze star for valor, and the purple heart. He was one of the few generals to be wounded in action. When the Korean War began, he served as chief of staff in the uh, UN, and because of his character and self-control was ultimately President Eisenhower's choice to head the long and tedious negotiations to end the war. He was a stud and an intellect. General Harris, Harrison was a soldier, soldier who led a busy, ultra-kinetic life, but he was also an amazing man of the word. When he was, 20 year, uh, when he was a 20-year-old West Point cadet, he began reading the Old Testament through once a year and the New Testament four times a year. General Harrison did this until the end of his life. Even in the thick of war, he maintained his commitment by, by catching up uh, during a two- and three-day uh, respite for replacement and refitting which followed battle so that when the war ended, he was right on schedule. When, at the age of 90, his failing eyesight, no longer permitted his discipline, he had read the Old Testament 70 times and the New Testament 280 times. Men, what your society is teaching you as a man is what Satan wants you to think is a man. The ultimate, the ultimate in manhood showed up and never hurt a person. He was prophesied about in the Bible, and it says, a bruised reed he will not break. In other words, he didn't have to hurt anybody. He stood up toe-to-toe, face-to-face with the very men that he knew would crucify him on a cross. And he never gave in. When they whipped him to the point of unrecognition, he never gave in. He went into the temple and he flipped over all the money changers' tables. He knew they were going to be calling their boys and their boys' boys to come and get rid of him. He didn't care. He never had to hurt a soul, but he stood up to everybody who could murder him. And then when they did... He faced it. He never recanted from his mission. And he took torture to the point of death. And his last words to those men was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he changed the world. Now, he was fully God, but he was fully man. And he showed us how to do it. Biblical manhood is necessary This idea of men who hold nothing to self-control is what the world wants you to think so that you can be no problem. So that you never stand in the way of evil progressing. Evil only progresses when good men stand down. Proverbs 25, 28, a person who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. And so we celebrate men who have fits of rage. And if that's the case, we should have a Jared Johnson Day on the national calendar. Because I've got a temper just like anybody else, but God is teaching me to control it, and it's helpful. Follow Jesus, and you'll have self-control. You'll defend the weak. You'd be a man who does not run from evil, but who's wise enough to run from sin. Wise enough to run from temptation, not because you're so awesome that you'll never get into temptation, but because you are wise enough to know that you can't resist it, so you stay away from it. That's maturity, by the way. In case any of you young men are waiting to mature to the point that temptation is no longer tempting, um, you'll, you'll never get there. I mean, I can only speak up to 38. Can any of my older fellas in here help me out? You'll never get there. You just got to stay away. You will be a man enduring enough (laughs) to see the demise of your enemies. This is the type of man that we're shooting for right here. Titus 1, 6-8, God gives a list. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, with faithful children who are not accused of wildness or rebellion. As an overseer of God's household, he must be blameless, not arrogant, not hot-tempered, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, righteous, holy, self-controlled. <laughs> not exactly the guy we find in an action movie, is it? Holding to the faithful message is taught so that he will be able to both encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. Men, we've got to rise up and stop leaving the spiritual burden to our wives. And I don't, I don't say this derogatory, but there's, there's this spirit in Texas where, well, I, I make the bread and I leave, I leave all the praying stuff to mama. have courage men we need you to live for something greater than yourself this is where the restlessness in men comes from it is in us to want to do something bigger than ourselves so when we use that energy when we use that passion when we use that strength for self-gain instead of for someone else for something else For the kingdom of God. Using the gifts that he gave me. For him. It leaves restlessness in a man. It leaves a void in a man. God put you here. With strength. For what reason? (laughs) Not to be told that it's toxic. But to use it. To be good. When a church is in a community. That community should grow. Should prosper. Why? Because there are men. Who stand at the gate and protect, who offer counsel, who offer wisdom, who bring peace, because they're strong enough to hold peace. I want the worship team to go ahead and come up. Men, we've got to raise the next generation. To do that, you need to know your Bible. The age of, I have faith, but I don't really pursue Jesus. That's not really me. I'm very spiritual, but that is going away. That cannot That cannot stay. We can't maintain a relationship that we don't work on. Hadn't worked with any women, has it? Guys, we can't not work on this relationship and just, just we're going to be just as in love 30 years from now as it doesn't work. Men, we've got to know our Bible. We've got to practice self-control. We've got to do what is courageous. And that's not always what the world is telling you is the courageous thing to do. We've got to defend the weak. Men. That doesn't just happen with quads, hams, biceps, and triceps. It's here. What is this whole, what, what, like, pastor, dude, what are you getting at? You're just going off on some testosterone stuff. We have no idea what you're trying to get at. I'm trying to get at two things. Stop letting the world define masculinity for you. Stop letting the world define masculinity for you. Start letting God teach you how to be a man. When we let go of the presuppositions of what we're supposed to be, and God made me different. When you walk in, if any of y'all walk in and you got kids, I talk to your kids first. It's not some strategic church planner ploy. I just like kids. They're on my energy level, and I like them. And we hang out, and you're just kind of in the way. We'd do a lot of things different if you weren't here. And the world is just, 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 that just doesn't happen. I don't really care what the world says. God told me to defend them, to protect them, to raise them up, to encourage them. So I really don't care if the world thinks that's weird. So here's your steps. Ready? they are going to be mad at me for saying this. Here's your steps. Here's how you become the man God wants you to be. You're going to read your Bible. you could pray. You're going to go to church, and you're going to be the church. And when you're struggling, you dig deeper into those things. God made you in his own image. Don't care. Don't, I'm, I'm not going to walk down this rabbit trail of, of the education system or, or, or any of those things. But there are just things that are set up in our society that men don't relate with real well. Doesn't mean you're not right. You just never had your interest Some of you are like, I don't know, I'm just not a good reader. That's because you were reading Anne of Green Gables as a sophomore. It's a chick flick in letters. Of course you didn't like it. Try the Bible. God is calling us to something bigger. And here's the thing. You can do it. You can do it and you can be fulfilled when you do it. You will be the one to bring your family out of godlessness. You will be the one to change things. You'll be the first one to stand up to grandpa. You're like, no, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out, preacher. You'll be the one to change your family. You'll be the one that God raises up to stand peacefully, strongly, in the place of right. Right. That takes courage. This idea of letting go of self-control, of giving in to whatever comes into your mind, treating women just oppressively, it's nowhere in the Bible condoned. It's always spoken against. So it doesn't matter what your culture is doing. You're to be something different. And guys, ladies, help me it's attractive it's attractive it's respectable alright Lord we pray that you will be with us God Lord there are, there are men in this place there are mighty men in this place God there are men of valor and courage in this place you put them here you've built them up for such a time as this God and I pray that they will be stronger now than ever before God I pray that they will seek you, that they will get on their knees, and that they will plead with you, and that there will be no substance, no drug that has to fulfill that void because they're living for something else. There's too much purpose. There's too much on the line to give into temptation. God, fill us with that kind of purpose. Help us to run strong after you, God. I pray that it will be celebrated, that men here will be celebrated because we are servants. what you did, Lord. Help us follow your lead. You washed men's feet. We want to be like you, God, but but, but, but but, Lord, studying this, I know that I don't even know how. Help us to be the men you want us to be. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, baskets are going to come up, and uh, they're going uh, to, the, the worship team is going to play, and so we, we invite you to worship with us also. Uh, tithe is a part of how we worship if you're a believer, but you got a connection card. If you want to chat with us, we want you to put that in there. We want you to jump into a life group and start learning, man, start getting closer to God. Fill out that life group card and uh, drop that in the plate as well. When service is over, come and chat with us. We want to talk with you. That's what we're here for. We're here for you. You're not here for me. I'm here for you. We are here for you. So uh, please stand and worship with us.